Thank you, everybody. It's lovely to be here with you this morning. I hope that God's been working in your lives this week. It's been a, um, an interesting couple of weeks for, for me and for Laura and our family. We've had a lot to go through. But through it all, I've seen God at work. And it is an honour to be able to come up here and to, to speak about, about God and his work and what he does. So we've got the chapter four of Mark today. I'm not going to be going through the whole chapter uh, because it's there's a lot in it. I'm just going to focus on the parable of the sower and I've just got three themes I'm going to pick up from it. Fruit, roots and pesky weeds. Weeds that need the boot, hey? <laughs> three themes, three questions and one overarching theme that comes for it all and that is that of abiding in Christ. So I want to ask about fruit, about where is our fruit, what fruit do we have in our lives. I want to ask about roots, where are our roots, what are our roots in. And I want to ask about weeds, identifying the weeds in our life and, and removing them. But again, through it all, I want to go back to the central theme of abiding in Christ because Christianity doesn't work without Christ. Nothing works without Christ. And if there's anything I've learnt through the last few weeks with some of the things I've gone through is that in the hard times and the good times, Christ walks with us. Christ walks with us. We are never alone. We are never forsaken. And God is so good. I'm so thankful to him that through every season in life, I can draw near to him and he draws near to me. So let's, uh, let's pray before we get, get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is light to us, Lord. It is a light to our path, and it shows us your heart, Lord. Lord, thank you for the words that we read out this morning and that we'll be looking at in this, in this time together now. I pray, Lord, that you bless your word to our hearts, Lord, that you would convict us, that you would challenge us, and that you would draw us to you, Lord. Encourage us this morning, Lord. Edify us, Lord. Strengthen us in our faith and help us to look to you, to be fixed, fixing our eyes on you, Lord, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So the parable of the sower. Let me uh, go straight to the, uh, the explanation that that Jesus gives. I, I love the parables. They're, they're awesome. They're these little stories. They're based in real life. They're very relatable. It's, you know, a lot of them fit the context or the time they were, they were written in. But it's very, very easy to sort of place yourself there and to sort of un understand it. A lot of the parables, though, there's different interpretations on them. Some people take them different ways. I like this one because it's very clear. Jesus gave a very clear and simple explanation of, of it. So it... Uh, it's a nice one to be, able to be able to get into. So, Jesus says, The farmer sows the seed. The farmer sows the seed, and the seed is the word. And he says, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others... Like seeds sown on rocky places, 
hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So we've got the seed that's sown, the word of God, the gospel, and then we've got these four soils, these four hearts that receive the word, and three of them bear no fruit, but the last does. And that is what we want to that is what we want to be. So I guess you could look at it first as the tale of four hearts. You've got the hard heart. The hard heart, the path that's been trampled down by many feet. That the word of God comes and it just it doesn't penetrate, it doesn't last, it's gone. I guess you could think of this as the person who politely listens to the gospel, politely listens to the message, but it isn't precious to them. They don't understand it, they take no time to understand it, and it means nothing and it's quickly gone. And I think I think sin hardens our hearts. Uh, that's very clear. Sean mentioned Romans 1 in his talk, and I, I see in Romans 1 this sort of progression where the people, they're suppressing the truth by their sin, by their wickedness. And that leads to more and more sin to the point by the end of Romans 1, they're not only practicing their sin, but they're approving it. They're calling what is, what is good evil, and what is evil good. And that's what happens when our hearts are hardened. But we also have the shallow heart, the heart with no roots, with no endurance, no fruit, no harvest. And I guess you could think of the shallow heart as the people who are attracted to the joy and the excitement of Christianity. They sing the songs, they, they maybe know the words, they can pray the, pray the prayers, but they never develop that relationship with Christ. They don't sink roots down, and when the going gets tough, they find it easier to walk away. And then we have the strangled heart, the heart that is choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. I think that's the most challenging of them all, because... We're all in this world, we're all surrounded by the worries of this world, by the riches and the pleasures of this world. And I, I think this is the most sad one of all because it's, it's a distracted heart, isn't it? It's distracted, it's got its, it's, it's growing and it's there and it's ready to produce fruit. But instead it allows weeds to get around it and for its life to just ebb away, choked away. I find that, that very sad. In Luke 21, verse 3 to 4, it says, Be careful, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, with drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And the day of the Lord will close on you suddenly like a trap. We'll spend a little bit of time talking about that later on. But of course, the fourth heart we have is the obedient heart, the heart that bears a harvest, it bears fruit. It's a hard enough. In Luke, when Jesus is um, telling this, he talks about the good and noble heart. 
that hears the word, retains the word, and perseveres in the word, and so produces a harvest. It's the obedient part. And I think, of course, of James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Don't deceive yourselves. Don't just hear the word and think, yep, that's good. It's, it's got to be practiced. It's got to be lived out in our lives. And when it is, what a harvest. What a harvest. I mean, look at this. Um, we don't know much about the farming of those days, right? But back then, what you'd sort of expect when you harvested your field like this, you'd, you'd sort of expect about a tenfold sort of in, in, increase. That, that was sort of a, a typical return. If you got 30, things are going pretty well, right? That, that was good. That's where Jesus starts with this. He says, you know, when you're in Christ, when you're walking in Christ, like, there is good fruit. It comes. Some people, it's 30, but you can, even 60. I mean, that was like the best that you could ever get, like, pretty much. That, that was epic. And then Jesus goes, even a hundred times. Man, there is blessing in the kingdom of God. There is, there is joy. There is life to the full. It is amazing. When God gets a hold of your life, when you're walking with him, the, the fruit that comes out of that is amazing. And the best thing of all, it's eternal. It's fruit that remains. And we'll look at those verses later on. It's lasting, eternal fruit. So that's the summary of the story. The, the, the word goes out, it's sowed, and then different hearts receive it in different ways. And so, of course, we have to ask, how are we receiving God's word? How are we reacting to God calling to us? And so we're going to look at the three things because it's very important uh, I've got this verse 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 where it says examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves or do you not realise this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test examine yourselves test yourselves that's what I want to challenge us to do today, to ask ourselves, where is my fruit? Where are my roots? Where are the weeds? They're the questions I want us to be asking. So we come to the matter of fruit. I find this concept all through the Bible that we as Christians should be bearing fruit. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And it's not that I mean, you, you can't be a Christian without, without fruit. It's not that we're saved by the fruit, but it's just, it's the evidence. It's the evidence. I was thinking about, we've got a lovely lemon tree out the, um, out the window of my study, which I, I love, I love the yellow there. And I was thinking about, like, those yellow lemons, that's like the evidence that this is a lemon tree. But if I take those lemons off and I glue it to another tree, you've got that same evidence, but it, it hasn't, hasn't done anything to the tree, okay? You can't just glue it to it. I've got a blackberry bush growing in the neighbour's yard that keeps encroaching on my, um, my property. And if I glue those lemons to it, it does nothing to it, all right? So the, the lemons, they, they don't save you. They're not, nothing like that. They, they, don't, they don't lead the, lead the cart, but they're the evidence. And they've got, it's got to be there. It's got to be there. Because when you are in Christ, you will see, you will see evidence of that. There will be fruit. And w what is the fruit? I mean, I, I love looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, let's turn there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. Actually, I think I wrote it out for me already. It's nice. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. And we have to ask ourselves, is that what I see in my life? Do I see that increasing? Do I see the evidence? When, like, we have to examine ourselves and test ourselves and see, is that how I'm living? Not just on Sunday, but every day of the week in my interactions at work, the way that I carry myself. Am I walking with integrity? Am I walking with love? And uh, there's, I think it's Paul who says, don't just love in words, but in action and deeds. Because when the fruit of the Spirit is evidenced in your life, it will show in the way that you act. It will, it will, every interaction will start to be tinged by, by what's happening inside of you. But the, the main passage I want to turn to for this is John 15, verse 1 to 16. I'd love you to turn there with me. It's this beautiful passage of abiding in Christ. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 16. And I've got some of the key verses up on on the slide behind me that I want to pull out. But let's read it. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. It's important, guys. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful which is great, but also kind of painful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we see clearly that the fruit is the evidence that we are saved, it's the evidence that we are in God, but also so much more. The fruit of our lives is what brings glory to God. And that, that is pretty cool. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul, um, Paul prays a prayer for the Colossian church. And it's a, a prayer that I want us to pray for each other too. Because a lot of bearing fruit, it's, it's not an individual work. It's a work that we do together. We need to be encouraging each other, spurring each other on to good works, to living lives that are productive and effective in Christ. Because it's easy to waste away. It's easy to, to be ineffective. We need to be stirring each other up and praying for each other. Paul says that since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. 
Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And this is what we pray. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Why? Why do we want you to know God's will? So you can live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Living lives worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is what Paul prays for the people when he hears that they've become believers. Like, yes, I pray that they'll know God's will. And that they'll walk in it. That they'll be able to live worthy of God. That they'll be able to please him and bear much fruit. And he also talks about growing in the knowledge of God. Growing. That kind of leads me on to the next, next point, which is all about roots. Roots. It's where we get our sustenance from. It's where we go when we're, when we're tired, when we're down, when life throws us lemons that aren't just pretty colours but kind of taste bad as well. Roots. So very, very important. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 17 where we... Read about two different trees with two different types of roots. I don't know where Jeremiah is. <laughs> I didn't memorize it when I was three. <laughs> Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 to 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Two trees, two very different outcomes two different root systems. We need to be rooted in Christ, abiding in Christ. As we were reading about in that passage from John, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. It doesn't work. We need to be looking to Christ always, always, always. And when we look to Christ's example too, I, I, I love this story um, just a couple of chapters earlier in, in chapter 1 of Mark. You have this amazing story where Jesus is in this town, right? And he heals somebody. Word gets around and the whole town gathers outside the door. Like, it's just people. It's bonkers. There's people everywhere, needy, wanting. And Jesus has compassion on them. He heals them. He ministers to them. That's hard work. That's draining. And yet, let's look at it. Chapter 1, verse 35 says very early in the morning. So that night he's just had this crazy bonkers night. 
It's been awesome. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. I, I, I hardly ever get up while it's still dark. I did this morning though, but that was not my choice. <laughs> Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Where is Jesus finding his sustenance from? Where are his roots planted? They're in Christ. They're in God. And in his time with God. And I think like so often I approach life and I think, okay, you know, I'll put a lot of effort into my relationship with God or a lot of effort into serving people or helping. And you feel like, yeah, that's good. I've got my brownie points. And now I'll go off and do my own little thing. You know, or, or I'm really tired. It's like, okay, I need some me time. I need some time to recharge. How did Jesus recharge? By going to the source of all life. Like, I don't know about you, but when, when you have kids, that couple of hours after they go to bed at night time, it's really precious. Like, it's really good. Like, the house is still and quiet, and you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and sometimes I don't want to go to bed because I just don't want it to end, you know. But it's so easy to do so many different things. To think, oh, I'm tired. I'm worn out. Life has just been hitting me with a four by two. You know, like it's just, I, I need some me time. And there's so many things that I turn to, honestly. So many different things. I have a man of many, many hobbies. But look at the example of Christ. Even when he was tired, even when he was working hard for God, it's not like, like straight away he knows, I need to stay on mission. I need to stay focused. And we see that because afterwards the disciples find him. And they're like, Jesus, where were you? We're looking for you. Everyone's looking for you. This is great. It's exciting. And Jesus says, no, no, we've we got to keep going. Because he'd been with God and he knew what his mission was. And he didn't get distracted. He didn't get, get um, turned aside to different things that were happening or to what other people were expecting or wanting of him. And that's what we need to be realised. Now we need to be rooted in God, sustained in God. That we're not getting distracted by all the things that are pulling at our attention, that we're not getting pulled off mission, pulled off our course, off what we're supposed to be doing in life. We need to be rooted in Christ. And how, how do we put down those big roots? A lot of it has to do with time. It's, a lot of it, I mean, it's hard work. It is hard work putting down roots. And in Second Peter, and I've got that one up there, um, Peter says, make every effort... To add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, to mutual affection love. It's a whole list of things. They're all things about growing in Christ, being rooted in Christ. And it takes effort. It's hard work. It doesn't just happen easily. I mean, it's easy to just put those little shallow roots down and get on with your life, but it takes effort. But it is so rewarding because it means that you can withstand life storms. It means that you can go through life and you know where you stand. You know where your life comes from, where your joy comes from. And you're not, when, when life throws melons at you, you know that God is right there with you. The thing about roots is that they're hidden. You don't see them. You can see people who look great. You know, the sun's shining, leaves are out, everything's juicy and vibrant and green. And then, and then the weather turns, the wind comes up, the storms come. And very quickly, the evidence comes out of what, how we've been spending our time, what we've been putting our effort into. It, it comes out to put your roots in Christ. Spend time working at it, making every effort to be found grounded 
in Christ. Through reading the word, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I will not sin against you. So important. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your time. Grow your roots where they need to be so that you'll be able to be effective, that you'll be able to produce fruit that remains. And then, of course, we get to the final final sort of point I want to focus on, and it's, it's those pesky weeds, eh? Those weeds that just came to crop up everywhere, wanting to choke us, wanting to stunt our growth, wanting to take the life out of us. Jesus pulls up three things in this parable when he talks about the weeds. He talks about life's worries, the anxieties of life, the cares of life. He talks about the deceitfulness of wealth, of riches. And he talks about the pleasures of life, the desires for other things. So let's look at a couple of passages on each of these. The worries of this life. Oh, and, and first of all, I've got the verse up there, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3, which is so, so good for staying on mission. It says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it's just gone through a hall of fame, if you will, talking about the great heroes of the faith. And it says, since we are surrounded by these guys, we know that, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith it's, we've got to throw off everything that hinders the, the, the weeding is hard work it's back breaking I mean those guys there in that picture they're, they're breaking their backs alright they're, they're putting hard work into it You've got to be brutal with weeds. You can't be lenient on them because they, they'll suck the life right out of you. But we, we, it's so important, imperative even, that we do this, that we throw off all the things that hinder us, that weigh us down, and the sin that so easily entangles. It does it so easily. It's there. I, I think of um, Adam and Eve's children, whatever their names were, Cain, Cain and Abel. What did, what did God say to him? Sin crouches at the door. His desire is to have you, to devour you. It's true for all of us. The sin is there and it wants us. It wants to ruin our walk, to ruin our faith. And so we have to run with perseverance. And how do we do it? Fixing our eyes on Christ. As I said at the beginning, Christianity doesn't work without Christ. You can try and do it in your own effort. Do it through your own wisdom, through your own understanding it doesn't work relationship with Christ knowing Jesus knowing Jesus abiding in him it's where it's at folks it's where it's at so what are these things that these weeds that creep up they're probably different in everyone's lives you have things that you know that, that that's a weed anything that you're probably sitting there trying to justify to yourself I, I was doing that this week I had a thing that I needed to deal with and in my head I was going no no it's fine it's fine there's nothing wrong here. And, and the amount of things I came up with in my head to justify what I was doing, I, I was astounded. And eventually I was reading this patch and going, yeah, all right, it's a week, it's a week. I've got to get rid of this. Because weeds are deceptive, you know. They, they, they get in there. They, they, they get in everywhere, you know. Like, does anyone have those little cracks in their sidewalk, you know, like their driveway? 
there's tiny little cracks. That stop, I guess it stops the concrete from cracking. Is that right? They put that in there. All right, it's good to have it there. Weeds just get in there all the time. And I go out there and I've got a little technique now. I use to dig them out. And I, I, just, I make sure there's no dirt in there, nothing there. And yet a week later, I've got to do it again because these weeds just somehow found a way. We're easily entangled by weeds, easily. And so we have to be diligent. We have to be very brutal and diligent, testing ourselves, examining ourselves to see where they are. But let's, let's go back to the word. Luke chapter 12. A fantastic passage. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, your little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. I've been so guilty of this so many times. I mean, this is one of the areas. That, there's a few areas in my life where I just, I, I know I've got, I've got issues. <laughs> I've got to be careful. And one of these is the whole worrying. Worrying, how am I going to provide for people? How am I going to provide for my children, my family? Worrying, worrying, how am I going to measure up to people? Worrying about all sorts of things that are honestly of no significance, of no value whatsoever. God knows what I need. He will provide. I need to look to his kingdom, not get just completely distracted and taken up with the cares of this world, the cares of this life. In Luke 12, verse 15, Jesus said, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life is not about the things. It's not about all the stuff we collect. Proverbs 23 has a great little, uh, little verse where it says, uh, Proverbs 23 verse 4, Do not wear yourselves out to get rich. 
Don't trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. That's what riches do. You you can spend your whole life chasing after them, but they keep flying away. And every time you, you, you feel like you grasped it, you realise you haven't got anywhere near as much as you needed. Because I think there's another proverb that talks about that whole thing of the, the, the more you have, the more there are who want to eat it. It's, uh, it's just, it's true in life that when we look for satisfaction, for meaning, for purpose in the wrong things, it's just this bottomless pit and you just find you're grasping at the wind and you can never get a hold of it. But the riches, the riches in this world, they're seductive, they're, they're alluring and we live in a society that is materialistic where a lot of value is placed on things and keeping up with the Joneses and having the next thing, the, the latest, the greatest. Technology is just an onward machine. It's, it's marching, it's progress, folks. Get on board, you know. But it's distracting and it's not, it's not where life is at. In Revelation, we have this really really hard-hitting letter to the churches. There's all these, the seven letters to the churches, you probably know them. There's one where it says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. And do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Our riches, our wealth, it means nothing. It really doesn't. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And sour to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love are rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father, on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Our riches mean nothing, but there is a richness in Christ, a wealth in Christ that is beyond compare. The parables are great, aren't they? You think there's that parable where there's a, a merchant who finds this pearl of abundant beauty and he gives everything that he has so that he can purchase this one pearl and that's what we find in Christ Christ is the pearl beyond price and Christ stands at the door of our hearts he says here I am I stand at the door and I knock and if you hear my voice open the door and I will come in and sup with you it's the invitation to us all Christ is willing uh, there's this great verse where this, uh, this leper calls out to Christ and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And what does Christ say? He says, I am willing. I love those words. I am willing. Yes, we are, we are sinners. We are fallen. We make mistakes. 
We have hearts that are, are shallow or distracted or anxious or hard. But God said that nothing is impossible for him. That which is impossible for men is not impossible for God. He can take our hearts. He can give us a new one. What did David pray? He said, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Create in me a clean heart. And that is my invitation to us all today. Let's pray that to God. Create in us a clean heart, a heart that is steadfast, that loves you, Lord. Open the door. Open the door of your life to God. Let him in. Don't be distracted by, by riches and cares and worries and pleasures, desires for other things, rooted in Christ. Dig your foundations where, where, where it's at. Don't put your roots in the wrong thing. There's so much we could go on, but I wanted to finish with a prayer. I, I love the prayers that Paul prays in his books. I love going through them and seeing the way that he prays for people and the things that he prays. And I love this one from Philippians because I think it ties in so well with this message. Paul says, This is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That's putting down roots. That's growing your roots. Your love abounding more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, knowing Christ more and more. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's not getting distracted by the weeds, by the cares of this world, by the riches, discerning what is best, and being kept pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the abundant fruit that we find when we live lives for God. And where does it all head? Where does it all end? To the glory and praise of God. Because folks, that's what's coming. One day there will be a day where we stand before God in his kingdom. And all that we see in this world that is broken and wrong and twisted, it will be made right. See, I make all things new, Jesus says. And we will praise God. We'll see him as he is. We'll be there with him in his glory. And it will be a wonderful day. And I look forward to that day when we are all praising and celebrating God together. And I hope that we will all be there and that we will all have fruit to present to God that brings glory and praise to him. So let's pray this prayer together today. Lord, may your love abound more and more in us, Lord. May we know the depth and the height and the length and the breadth of your love being grounded and established in you, Lord. Help us to fix our eyes to you, God, to grow our roots in you, Lord, to spend time with you, Lord, to give you our focus, to give you our all, to give every effort being found pure and blameless in you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would, you would take our lives, Lord, and use them for your glory that we would bear fruit that remains, Lord, that we wouldn't waste our lives, Lord, on trivial things, that we wouldn't be distracted and choked out by, by the cares of this world, Lord, but, Lord, that we would look to you, that we would fix our eyes on you, Lord, and that we would bear fruit that remains, fruit that is eternal, of immense value, Lord, and that brings glory to your name. 
Lord, we lift up your name in this place, Lord. We say that you are God and there is no other. And your love endures forever. To your love, there is no end. And we thank you for the love that you have shown into our lives and to our hearts that we can be known as your children. Thank you for knocking on our doors and being willing to come in to cleanse us, to give us clothes of white righteousness. Lord, I pray that you would direct our steps. In Jesus' name, amen.